Welcome, welcome, Lola Vegide to the Black Breaking It podcast. It's lovely to be here. Love to be here. I know. I'm really happy to have you here as well, um, especially because your experience is so extensive and you're doing amazing things. For those that don't know, as well, Lola works for Solman Consultancy. Leave you work for yourself. I work for myself. I'm the founder. You are the founder. You're the founder. Specializes in early career development as well. So we're gonna understand a bit more about your journey, who you are, what you do, and yeah, what's next for you? Let's go. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So first and foremost, how are you doing? How are you feeling about this year, 2023? What's 2023? This is my year of abundance. It's my year of really just stepping in to everything that I've built up about myself. Yeah. And really just owning it. So I what did I do? I formulated bold, which is my framework which stands for brave enough to be me, owning my value always, leaning into my greatness, developing self and others. And that's a framework that I use not just for myself, but it runs through every single delivery and service that I provide. So this year is very much about, yeah, stepping into those bigger places. And being bold. Being bold and taking up space that I deserve to be in. Where did that come from? How did you form, for, formulate that? Um, it's just really about like the energy that I give out to people, the feedback that I get, mm. and also how I'm feeling about myself. Mm. But more than anything, it's how I want people who engage with my services, mm. how I want them to step away mm. and feel about themselves as well. Mm, mm, mm. And when I was putting it all together, yeah, these are the core things I want people to do after an engagement with me. Mm. Whether it's coaching, whether it's providing consultancy services, work working with the corporates, mm. that's how I want people to step away. My, my clients, that's how I want them to step away from engaging my services. Okay, and I'm going to go a bit deeper. I like to ask a lot of questions. Why? Why do you want them to step away feeling like that? Why is that important for them, for you? Like, what's what's the reason? For me, it's important because I feel, from my own experience and from that of my clients and my career coaching clients, and particularly those from underrepresented groups, Mm. we sometimes allow ourselves to shrink Mm. As opposed to taking up spaces, we will shrink ourselves into spaces that we've actually outgrown mm. because we want others to be comfortable around us. Mm. And I'm like, that's not the dealio. Mm. You weren't born to shrink. You were born to step out boldly in mm. all the gifts that you have. So for me, it was really important because I know what I've got to give. Mm. And people think, oh, you know, then you're so braggadocious. And it's not, I'm not bragging, I'm stating facts. I've got my mm. receipts. Mm. I know what I bring to the table. Right. Okay. And I think it's very important, particularly in this day and age, not to shrink yourself, but to understand what you bring to the table. Also understand where you need to develop yourself. Mm. So you may bring A and B to the table, but you need to develop yourself further to ensure you bring the C, the D, the E and the F, how far you want to go. Mm. So it's very much about, I want everyone to ensure that they fulfill their potential Mm. and they're not limited either by external blockers or self-imposed blockers. That makes complete sense. So (coughs) with that being said, in your, in your personal journey, I really want to understand how you got to this point of wanting people to feel like that, right? About themselves. So let's take it back. Like I do with all of, all of my guests, (coughs) 
is understand who you were from the beginning. Your my pastor likes to say your source of your, your no your start out in life soil. Mm-hmm. Right. I like that. So I like to understand your start out in life. So where were you raised? Where were you born? Tell me about your childhood. Whatever you want to give away, just yeah, tell yeah. us. I would talk, give everything away. I'm a knowledge sharer. So I was born in the east end of London, um, in in between Bethnal Green and Whitechapel. So I think, you know, born in East London, raised in a Yoruba household. So Yoruba is one of the major nations um, within Nigeria. Mm. So it was very, I was very in touch with my cultural heritage Mm. from a very young age, which was fine. Um, Went to primary school in a predominantly white environment. And I was always glad for the fact I never lost who I was or I never shied away from who I was in terms of my Yoruba heritage. Mm. And when I went through, you know, primary school, secondary school, I've got two older sisters Mm. who are six and seven years older than me. Um, So we all grew up to go with my mum. And so they kind of laid the foundation, so to speak. But I wanted to be me, not Mm. so-and-so's little sister. So I went to school went to college, um, started doing, I started business when I was in secondary school or even at year, what was now, year six in primary school, but I'm good at hair. So oh, I used, yes, I used so to, you can try, do, you can do I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. I was trusting me, I'm very good with hair. God bless me with three boys, so you know, I have no need to practice. Um, well, actually, I do know how to do our eldest ones, hair and canines, but when I was in year six prime, whatever it's called then, mm. um, I used to do hair. So I used to do the French knots, you know, the braids mm. and all these type of things for the girls during lunchtime and charge them some money, go and get my one penny and two penny sweets. When you were in school? When I was in school, come with your coins. You've got to get your hair done. Do you know what? Can I ask you a question? Well, a follow-up question yeah. from that. So I used to do people's hair for free. I did a lot of free things, right, <laughs> in school. I know, right? I was, I was in school. So, so I didn't think to be charging, right? But as I got older, I realised that I need to start charging for just different things that I did, right? Yeah. Whether it's lashes, hair. And it was typically my Yoruba friends yeah. that would tell me, you need to charge. You need Don't to charge. Don't do nothing for me, my friends. So where where did that come from? Because at such a young age, like, how did you get the idea? I'm doing something. This is the service. It's valuable. I need to charge. You know what it is? I think when you grow up, I mean, my mum, you know, bless her, she worked her socks off and worked really hard. But we would hear the phrase, and although now I've got a different relationship with money, mm. but we would hear the phrase that, listen, nothing is free. Nothing is free. Nothing right, is free. Exactly. So I'm thinking, ah, okay, nothing is free. <laughs> so you want your hair done? Okay. It's not free. 20p. Okay, we'll do it for you. Hey, you, you want your hair done? Hey, 20p. So even then, I was like, okay, I, I can do it. You want it. It's a service. Nothing is free, right? No yeah. such thing as a free lunch. You'll pay me. Yeah. So that was in primary school. And I did that through to secondary school as well. Mm-hmm. So when I went to college, so I, I didn't stay on at my... Uh, secondary school, I went to Tower Hamlets College. Mm. And that's when I was like, and now it's time to make the big bucks. So, well, doing people's hair in college as well? No, take, take, doing people's hair was a bit long. Oh, okay. And I just thought, you know, I need something that is a bit more, <laughs> a bit yeah. more quick. I'm not so labor intensive. Um, so, within the area that I grew up, it was high, it was a high demographic of Bengali Muslims. 
um, my friends and everyone else, and they were quite strict. So they couldn't go out in the evenings, mm. you know, couldn't really go on dates. And I knew someone, <laughs> I, you know, I knew someone who used to do videos of films that were in the cinema. So your boy is in the oh, <laughs> No, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about but Let's just leave it at that. Thank you, Alicia. You don't need to expand. Your face says it's all my darling. No, I will no, move on. We've all had them. We've all bought them. We've all seen them. Don't act like you haven't you haven't done it or been a part of it. I okay? would just yeah. be an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So the common room's available during lunchtime and for a brief time after, you know, lessons have finished. So I would literally just have movie night, but during the afternoon. And they would oh. pay to come and watch the film. Oh. So I was like, and it was really, you know, it was just like, okay, yeah, you go and, go and get that. I need to get this film. Okay, fine. Okay, pay the door. Collect my money. Some days I'll be very entrepreneurial and say, I'll, make, I'll bring the popcorn and charge for popcorn as well. Um, so I'd make money. And then I would do, again, excursions to Alton Towers. Because it was during a school day, I'm not encouraging this for anyone else. <laughs> but they weren't able to do it during the weekends. You know, it's always right. hard to get out during the weekends. So I would get my friends who, whose brothers or uncles had, you know, a curry house in Brick Lane, use their um, wholesale card, go and get the sandwich, go and get the bread, the fillings, the drinks, make a packed lunch, buy the tickets, book the coach. You did that in college? Yeah. So that was my... Um, Who helped you with this? My wonderful hands, my wonderful brain, my beautiful mouth. I love that! <laughs> so I was, I, love I, mean, I was just like, okay, I want to... I need to get money. Um, I've, I've always been very forward-thinking. Mm. So that was my thing about how to raise money and how just how to work for myself. So I was quite happy. And, and what it did, though, and this is the thing I always say, is that it taught me that... Not all education is book and pen. No, it's not. Um, and I, I say now, even though I did my first degree and I'm not going to do my MBA, mm. if the type of apprenticeships that were that are available now mm. were available then, I'd be doing an apprenticeship degree mm. or an apprenticeship period. So, yeah. Because I always said that, listen, for anything that I do academic, you get 60% of me. Yeah. Because life's for living. I'm not one of these people, oh, my God, I will be up to three o'clock in the morning. No, I'll go and do my sleep, have my good food and wake up and just hope it's all good. I know what I need to do to pass because yeah. I think sometimes you stress, your, you're stress yourself, you stress yourself up so much, yeah. it brings all types of other and things to it, which I don't need in my life. And the thing is as well, yeah, Lola, I feel like, with exams and the school system, for me personally, I don't think it brought out my strengths. Like, mm. if my exam was a video being recorded and me explaining things and me showing practical examples, I would A star, be, A star. I would have got A star, 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 right? Exactly. It, it, so it, it really didn't take into account people that might be neurodiverse, mm-hmm. people that, you know, might have different preferences and learning style, be more mm-hmm. creative, less brain. So I, I understand, I completely mm-hmm. agree with you. So I've, I'd say that the education system we have now, although it is changing mm-hmm. because you've got your T-levels that have come out, you've got apprenticeships mm-hmm. that are getting more recognition as a mm. very worthwhile alternative for mm. university I still say from the where we are at the moment from an educational standpoint mm. we are still far behind other countries in terms of assessing the whole human being 
So one of the things that I started to do when I started swimming consultancy was look at introducing what people call soft skills, functional skills, power skills to um, secondary school children. So get them to understand about collaboration, about negotiation skills, Mm. about your executive presence, Mm. about your personal brand. Mm. Introducing them to such things from a very young age, emotional intelligence, Mm. empathy, because if you're introduced introduced to it at a young age, you've got a longer stretch of time to practice before you enter into the workforce. Mm. And in other countries, particularly um, Scandinavian countries, all of those are introduced from primary school. Mm. So they are aware of how to negotiate. They are aware that, you know, you, you have to work in a team, that you have to express empathy to yeah, someone. Yeah. And it comes a natural to them. But for us, it's it's almost, you know, it's almost unheard of in primary school settings, secondary school settings. And so then when you start the workforce and you don't know how to effectively within a team mm. without having to be the lead it's like well why do you think you know entry talent um demographic why do they struggle when they enter into the workforce they've just mm. been in academics for how many years yeah and they haven't explored all these other really critical skills that you need to thrive mm. in the working environment so and um, I'm, I'm going to get onto your business shortly as well so when did you discover that in your journey that actually there's a need for mm. different types of programs and learning styles did you discover that in college when you yourself was in college or um, in college I was no I didn't discover in college that's for sure I probably looked at maybe when I was at university I was, you know, working in a team and I was just like, okay, why do you automatically feel that you should be the lead? Because mm. you haven't got leadership skill sets. Why do you feel you need to be a leader? It's just like, no, you just want to be dominant and you don't always need to be dominant to be a leader. So I was very good at observing people and seeing where their strengths were and understanding where I could fit in or where I could stand out more, more aptly. And then when I entered into the workforce, I was told, like, you know, I was really on a journey to being a better version of myself. I was mm. getting support from others. Mm. And I was implementing that into, you know, my day-to-day working environment. Mm. So after finishing university, everyone's looking for a job, can't find a job. I'd already moved out of home by the time I was 17. So I had my bills to pay and everything else. Mm, yeah. And um, I think I've got... I think I got a temp job. I got a temp job as a receptionist. Mm. And that was me with my stush self thinking, a receptionist, you know, a whole graduate receptionist. So I wasn't smiling and happy. And it took the owner of the company, of the market research companies, just to me, Lola, I know you've got potential, but you have to start somewhere. So let me see what you can do in the space where you're at now. Yeah. And then we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I just went into being a full-on, happy, effective receptionist. Mm. And after six months, I was a junior project manager. Working on BT um, projects for British Gas, all that type of stuff. So then I thought, okay, that was really good advice. Mm. And it helped me. So Mm. ever since then, I was like, okay, what can I do to be a better version of myself? And just looking at people around me and thinking, hmm, are they helping me or are they an external blocker? Mm. And how do I navigate that relationship? Mm-hmm. And you know, what is the best way to navigate that relationship? So it was a very much 
a building block of learning, mm. of self-learning, self, self-discovery, self-awareness, and also self-development. So there's so much you said there that I'm like, <laughs> like I'm like, question, question, but I have this mental note, don't interrupt people. Let them finish. <laughs> Let them finish. So just to, to go back a little bit, you mentioned something about people putting themselves forward for leadership positions. That happens in the workplace, that happens in education environments, but not being a leader. Talk to us about what what um a leader looks like in you know do you think you're born a leader can you develop into being a leader um but what does that look like from your perspective i think you can develop into being a leader there are some people and again it's okay what is your perception of what a leader is Mm. before you can say i'm a natural born leader so what is your perception of being a leader Mm. because a lot of people i know who have said that they have usually have a very kind of toxic stereotype of what a leader is mm. so they have to be very dominant you know be very bullish be aggressive mm. um and okay so what else do you need mm. to be an effective leader mm. because if no one's following you mm. you're not a leader you're just someone who's walking literally forcing people behind you so when i look at leadership i look at what are your collaboration skills like mm. what's your self-awareness like what's your empathy like your emotional intelligence. Mm. How visionary are you? Mm. You know, how much do you want to bring people along in a journey and help support them from mm. where they are to where you see they can get to, that mm. they may not be aware that they have right. the capability of getting to. Mm. So it's a com- it's a combination of lots of things, but it's not just literally getting a task done because then you're a taskmaster. Mm. You can get a task done, that's great. That doesn't necessarily make you a leader. And I think sometimes people get confused. Oh, I always get the job done. But how do you get it done? And is anyone damaged in a way in which you get the job done? So it's looking at it from a more holistic point of view. I believe very much in equitable and inclusive leadership. Mm. So I will support you where you are and help you to get help you get to where you want to get to. I will make sure that everyone's given equitable opportunities to progress, check in with my team. So in my last corporate role, I had a um, I had a global team. Mm. So it was making sure you know, someone in New York, someone in Pune, in India, us in the UK, um, someone in Lithuania. So, okay, how are we arranging our team meetings? Because it's not fair for the guy in New York to always be up at four o'clock in the morning. So we had to rotate. Everyone will feel the pain. Mm. Okay. And I, I don't bother making any apologies if your child is ill. This, what we're doing is not life and death. Someone can cover for you. Mm. So it's making Mm. sure that everyone feels a genuine sense of belonging Mm. as opposed to I'm just being tolerated. So when I look at leadership, before someone tells me what type of leader they are, I said, let me go and talk to your team. <laughs> let me talk to your team. Yes, yeah, And have an open and honest discussion. Yeah. Because then that tells them what type of leader you are. It's not what you say, it's what the people who are following you are saying. So before you get to that point then, when you just first meet someone, are there things, so say for example, you've, you've come to, I don't know, you've gone to a conference and you're at a round table. Can you distinctively point out they're probably a good leader? They're probably a developing leader. They're probably not great. From a conversation, can you... From a conversation, I will have um, possible insights. Yeah. But I wouldn't say definitively, right. you, you're a rubbish leader. Okay. So like, I would like to see you in action within your team. So like a round-robin discussion, mm. 
roundtable discussions, those people who usually pause mm. and say, oh, sorry, have you finished? Did you have something else to say? Oh, I like that. I hope you do that with your team. Those who just talk over you. Okay, I'm sure your team are quite silent in your, in your team meetings. And those who are completely silent. Oh, I'd love to see what you're, how you lead your team. That means you're very intense. You like to listen to what's being said and then come out with your own conclusion or your own direction or what vision that you have. So I'm able to deduce certain aspects of what type of leader you are, mm. but I definitively wouldn't say you must be a rubbish leader. Right, just from interacting with them. No, I'll take it a bit longer then. <laughs> Do you know what's interesting? So at the moment I'm doing a um, women's leadership workshop that I'm facilitating. And in the workshop, I get an, um, I get like a small taster of what I feel like people will be like as leaders because yeah. you're right, you have, it's interesting, you have the people that talk, 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 talk over people all the time, interrupt people all the time. Then you have the one that you probably need to call their name on so that they can come forward. And then you have those that are very balanced and considered. They'll pause, they'll, yeah. you really get the different characters and I automatically think I would love to work with you I don't know if you can be my leader. <laughs> I feel like you might get on my nerves a little bit. Because I don't, so for example, I don't work really well with leaders that are just really, um, rush, 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 stressy, yeah. stressy. I, I, I start to get like migraines. Yeah. I can't deal with that. Even if there was an urgent project, I don't like working like that. Yeah. So do you have a preference style for yourself as well as to, from your memory, when you, when you look back at your journey, yes, that was a good leader. You don't just say, to say their name. If you want to shout them out, you can. <laughs> Um, but they were a good leader. What was it about them that really made them a good leader? Just an ex- like the example. I think an example, um, probably two, two managers, one MD and one director that I worked with. Um, one was really good because he just allowed me to get on with it. And he just said, when you need me, come to me. But I know you know what you're doing. So run with it. Um, which I appreciated because mm. then you're acknowledging my skill set and my strengths. Mm. So that was great. The other um, leader that I had, he challenged me and pushed me. Mm. So my background is in investment banking as a senior business manager. And we used to look after budgets for technology. And part of that budget was looking after their learning and development budget, Mm -hmm. which meant we just had to make sure that we were spending the money on the right things at the right time, but HR would manage it. Mm -hmm. And it came to a point in time that HR said, actually, we haven't got the headcount to manage it. You're going to sort yourselves out. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, (laughs) you know, that's interesting. He was like, yeah, Lola, you're going to do that. Sorry? (laughs) He's like, you're going to do that. I was like, I'm not HR. He said, you don't need to be HR. It's about what you do for me is when there's a problem, you don't come you don't come back at me with additional problems. You come back at me with a solution. You do solutions management. Mm, okay. <sighs> hmm, sweet talk, huh? <laughs> but I was like, okay, okay, I can do this. But he took me out of my comfort zone, which really stretched me into being a leader of, of a global team, understanding more about learning and development and strategy and managing up towards the very CIOs I had to work with, putting mm. together learning development pathways mm. um, for like 40,000 people. So he really stretched me. But I, if he didn't offer it to me, I would not put myself forward. I love it. He's a sponsor. He, he was a sponsor by like, even knowing yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. You know, and I would, I would always be appreciative um, for that fact. 
those are the best leaders for me like the ones that can open doors for you and yeah definitely the ones who the ones like you said who open doors but also for me it was a case of taking me out of my comfort zone into what I thought would be like, oh, no, I'm not too sure. But he knew I had skills and capabilities to totally knock it out of the park, which he has said. Um, So that's, you know, like you can open a door, but don't open a door and just see whether or not they're going to walk or swim, knowing that they can do it. They're going to be challenged and it's going to push them. But ultimately they're going to succeed as opposed to those who open the door for you and know it's like a trap door. (laughs) No, for real. There are people who do that. Exactly. You have to know what door safely to walk through as well. But on that note of someone recognising, seeing something in you, right, that you don't necessarily see at the time for yourself. Mm. When that happens, how do you feel? I was excited. Okay. I was really excited because I felt this is such a good challenge. It is a good opportunity. I was slightly nervous. But ultimately, when I sat down and I'm very much, you know, I might... um, seem all cool, calm and collected. And then what I would do though, is I would do like a self-awareness, mm. um, self-reflective piece. Mm. What are they asking me to do? What have I done similar in the past? Mm. What have the results been? Mm. What are my strengths that are going to help me deliver on this? And that's why I do my assessment of, out of 10, how confident, not comfortable, but how confident are you that you've got this? Mm. And if it's anything below a five, I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to get some backup in very quickly. Above a five, I'm like, you've got this. I've got, I've got this. You've got this. You've so got this. I love that thought process where you kind of evaluate things, like, for yourself first. And say, okay, is this practical? Can I do it? For, like, when people do that to me, I get there, but not straight away. I cry straight away. So the thing is, it's not even a um, hysterical cry. I just start, just start bawling like the tears just come. (laughs) In so many meetings I've been in, and they've said, "Alicia, we know you can do this." I'm like, "Really? Oh, it's an appreciation cry." Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's almost like a, "You see this in me? Wow, like that's nice." You know, but um, yeah, every single time. I don't know when that's ever going to stop. But I like that approach and I'm going to use it. And I hope that listeners and watchers also, they feel like they can use that when they have that moment too. Because sometimes it's easy to say yes without doing that whole self-awareness, self-reflection, self-evaluation piece. And if you do that, you're not stepping, you're not, you're not setting up, you're not, you're not creating the right, the strongest foundation to step off of. Yeah. But if you do that piece, you will then know, okay, I need this piece of the puzzle. You'll know how, you know who to go and reach out to. Mm. I need to go and develop this strength. You know what training course to go on. Mm. As opposed to yes, and then you jump in and you're like, I can't get a float. So you'll build a solid foundation for yourself. Conversely, if it's, if you're like, no, like you feel like, oh my God, no, no. You feel panic and you're overcome with panic and you're like, oh, I can't do this. Take a moment. Mm. Because it could be that you just haven't thought it through. Mm. And one of the things that I love to do is looking at what I've done in the past. So I call it my wall of achievements. Mm. I'll look back at everything that I've done. It doesn't have to be exactly the same, because mm. nothing usually is. But what are the similarities? Yeah. And that helps to increase your confidence, calm your nerves, and assess it in a more rational fashion. 100%. As opposed to allowing fear yeah. to stop you. And I like to say, you know, fear, fear is my fuel to push me forward. Yeah. So I take the fear, I acknowledge it because I haven't done it before. Mm. But then I do my self-awareness, self-reflection, self-evaluation to say, 
Fear, don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're still going to, we're, we're going to do this. Mm. We're going to do this. There's nothing to say that you can't do it. A hundred percent. You know, they fear that acumen is like um, false evidence appearing real. Yeah. So it's a case of, mm, actually, I probably, I can do this because there's nothing to the contrary to say that I can't. I love that that you've reinstated that because it's something, yeah, you hear growing up, you hear from parents, family, whoever, colleagues, but it's good to reaffirm it and as a reminder. Mm. Similar to what you do when you look at back your past achievements, um, I have a feel-good folder. So my feel-good folder is literally full of any compliments every day. Whenever someone says, thank you for that, you did so good at this, after a workshop when there's loads of thank yous, great this, I just save it. So that I have that as like a reminder space. Like I encourage listeners as well. I started doing it recently and it makes me feel very, very good. I feel very good. Another thing I would recommend, and I always say this to my clients as well, um, hopefully you're all on LinkedIn, (laughs) Get recommendations. Yes. Get sir. recommendations from people that you've worked with, yeah. past, present, people that have worked for you, people that some someone you've had connection with, yeah. who have sampled your greatness. Yeah. Get a recommendation. Yeah. I absolutely love reading through my recommendations. Same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I say yes, I do. Oh, this is what I do yeah. and again it's that's your receipt so when you start yeah. getting a bit wobbly you start doubting read what people have said about you because those are your receipts to build yeah. you up and really believe in yourself they are reaffirming so go and read your recommendations <laughs> so I, I have my answer to this but I'm curious to find out when is the best time to ask for a recommendation as soon as I've done work with you recommendation LinkedIn request goes out Google review everything goes out I will do it immediately because I want to capture the essence of how you're feeling Mm. when you finish Mm. engaging with me it could be that if you leave it like a week two weeks they could have a really bad week and they're just like yeah it was fine no 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 remember what you said (laughs) exactly now come on now think harder you love Uh, hard work repeat after me literally at the end of any workshop I have got my feedback for my QR code connect on LinkedIn once we connected recommendation request please I don't wait for that moment to pass I want to capture it Oh, that's a really good shot. I've got a workshop tomorrow. I should add my QR code. Well. Add your QR code like, at the end of it. I usually add my name, but I'm like, oh, no, QR code. QR code, LinkedIn, LinkedIn QR code. Everything is there. Make it snappy and easy. Yeah. Yeah, just one touch. I like one. that. Okay, we're connected. Ding. Second clink. Send me a recommendation, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all awesome. You know, honestly, that's a good shout because I've been in workshop before and I, I would just do it straight away and be like, oh, well, I'm here. Yeah. So I might as well just tell you how I feel right now. So that's a really good shout. But um, we skipped a massive part of your journey. So let's go back. Let's go back. Let's, I do this all the time, but it's, it, it is what it is. So going back to when you was in college, so you started making money from the cinema, right? Yeah. Um, and that was successful. Yeah. That was, is that when you realised that you was actually a businesswoman or did you realise that before then? I think I realised it then. It was just, you know, I didn't want to be a Del Boy businesswoman. I wanted, yeah. like, okay, what exactly is it you want to do? Mm. And I know that, okay, showing films in a in a common room in a college is not, hasn't got longevity in it. Right. I'm going to be leaving. 
Um, so I think, okay, what else can I do? Yes, I can do it here, but that is long. Um, and I haven't got that type of energy mm. to be doing that. It's like, okay, what else can I do? And I was looking at um, clothes, selling clothes. And I was just like, uh, dealing with my tailors back home is yes, really long. Yes. And so no, that was a, that was a no-go. So no, I, I did go into the corporate space mm. and stopped, you know, this this line of being an entrepreneur for some time. Because mm. um, I didn't know what I could do mm. that suited me and the world to live my life. Mm. So I went into the corporate space. Um, in fact, my my degree was in cultural studies and political science. Oh, really? Yes, I know, right? What does that cover, sorry, out of interest? <laughs> that it was looking at mm, different polities okay. in different uh, geographical regions, why they picked why those polities work or fail, looking at cultural competencies, mm. how they impact the success um, or the failure of a nation. So it was interesting. And my reasoning for doing that was because I wanted to go and save the world and work for an NGO. Mm. So <laughs> when I did some volunteering for the NGO, I was like, okay, so this is like a kind of long stint of volunteering. I've still got bills to pay. When am I getting paid? <laughs> And they was like, oh, well, you know, we're still waiting for funding. Oh. And you want me to pay my bills out now? So I was like, okay, I want to save the world. I'm going to have to do it my own way. Yeah. Um, and I support um, grassroots charities back home in Nigeria. Right. So I said goodbye to that. And I'm glad I said goodbye to it then because the third sectors are all heap of mess that I will not go into at this moment in time. Okay. Um, so but yeah, so I went into the corporate space. Mm. And then from there... Coincidentally, I started working in investment banking as a research project manager. How did you get to that role? So I know you mentioned you worked at the marketing. Yeah, so I went to, I started at university. I did the volunteering and upon graduation, I was just like, yeah, you're not going to pay me. So, okay, bye. So then went into um, the market research company as a receptionist, got promoted to um, junior project manager Mm. and then project manager. So stayed there to get my project management foundations in gear. Mm. And then from there, I left and then went into a research project manager role in investment mm. banking. Mm. Pause for one second before we, we get into investment banking. That journey sounds very seamless and very polished. Were there any particular challenges, especially being a black woman, right, back then? Yes. To, don't worry, not, not, not too far back. We're hard to make sure. Yeah, he went to be diversity and inclusion for something. Terrible. That's all right. Terrible, but that's all right. When, when you did, yes. right? So, I've lost my train of thought now. But what, what challenges did you come across um, that you noticed in, in your journey up until the point of getting into investment banking? I think for me, it was, like I said initially, I was very comfortable in my... Um, with my cultural heritage. Right. So whilst someone would, you would get slants, you would get slants without a doubt, people doubting your ability. Mm. And I was just like, you cannot place your limitations upon me. I will show up, show up, and let you know what I'm about. Mm. Okay. And I didn't really, particularly pre-investment banking, 
I was like, luckily for where I was working, it was really quite diverse. Mm-hmm. So the owner of the company was a Jewish woman. We had French people, Polish people, um, Jamaican manager. You know, it was really diverse that mm-hmm. you know that moment in time. So I was, I felt quite comfortable in that space, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. And our clients that we had, big you know, big name clients, they were okay. It's only if I came across someone who would be like, oh, um, I'm looking for the, the project manager for BT. Right, and they would assume that's not you. I'm like, yeah, so hi. <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh, hi. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's like, oh, hi. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, hi again. Yes, okay. I've gone, gone here. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't. I think then it was, I would just take it, not take it, but I'd be like, okay, throw it back at you to make you question why would you assume that mm, that wasn't me mm, mm. and leave you to sit with that. Mm. And then when I moved into investment banking, that's when it became very apparent, like literally this is a different world. Because on the floor where we were, um, I think there was maybe about three of us, three black women, Actually, not even on the same floor, to her lie. One was above, and then there was another one who was on the same floor as me. And it was, um, yeah, it was different. Like, you could tell there was a difference. And I never forget, because sometimes if work got a bit too much, I was going on the Saturday just to finish so I could start fresh. And I used to, <laughs> I used to go in, I actually wrote a poem about it, I used to go in with my head wrapped. Yeah, it's a Saturday, whatever, I've got my pass. Mm. And I was forever getting stopped. Like, what floor What floor are you cleaning? Where are you at? Like, you need to clean your mouth out. You told you I was a cleaner, number one. Oh, oh, okay, so where where, where are you going? And and sometimes it'd be your own. Oh, yeah, clean the top yeah, one. Yeah, like, yeah. So where are you going? I'm going to my desk. Can I see your pass? Uh-uh. Okay. Like, any more questions? Okay, I'll go to... I'll, but you know what really brought it home to me was when I was reading an article, um, and it was in the, it was when, I think, Morgan Stanley... Was it Morgan Stanley? Mm. I think it was Morgan Stanley. I don't think it was Merrill Lynch. But Morgan Stanley, at one point, had a black CEO. And he was walking... <laughs> he was walking... He was leaving the office, and he was walking through one of the trading floors... And one of the traders says, oh, have you come to sort out our, um, our IT? This is the CEO of a whole investment bank. And I'm thinking, wow, we haven't moved at all, have we, really and truly? So when I moved into the investment banking space, it was very apparent yeah. that people were not expecting to see me there, number one. Mm. People were not expecting me to correct them if they said, Lola, and I'll say it's Lola. Mm. Oh, that's what I said. No, it wasn't. There are two different, mm-hmm. there's two different names. Lola is not my name. And I started to get to that point where my whole name is Olu for me, Lola. And that's what's on my ID mm-hmm. badge. Mm-hmm. If you're not calling me Lola, you're calling me my whole name. Mm-hmm. You can choose, but I'm not answering, I'm not answering to anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that assertiveness that shocked them. I haven't come with an attitude of gratitude mm. to this organisation. Mm. That was the last generation, possibly. This is not me. Mm. I've come here because I've got the job. You needed my skills and my talents, and I'm here. And you respect my name, as I've told you it is pronounced, mm. not any other variations. So I think that that assertiveness 
that I came with at that point, mm. they're like, oh. Because you did have people who would assimilate and say, okay, yeah, you can call me this or you can call me... No, my friend, you will call me my name, what I'm telling you mm. it is. Mm. And I think that's what almost emboldened me even further, not to not to, to the point that I said before, shrink myself into smaller places. Mm. Because once you start shrinking yourself you become hunched over and it's very hard for you to correct that posture because you're always used to being like this. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not me. I'm not that, I'm not that person. I'm not that woman. So because of that, I became, that helped me in being, I guess at that point, being bold. And they found it a bit like, oh, this is, this is, yeah, thank you. That's different. Mm. So when I, I had to go around EMEA, so um, Europe, Middle Eastern Africa to train, and I was always in, I was in the um, European offices. And I remember going to France and mm. not being able to get a taxi to stop for me. And I was like, oh, this is going to be long. And I had, when I got to the Merrill Lynch office, explaining it and they were really like just, I guess they knew, but they didn't want to pre-warn me that this could happen. Right. So they're like, okay, we'll send a car for you. Like, right. don't worry about tomorrow, we'll send a car okay, for you. Okay, at least they did that. Yeah, so I'm thinking, okay, you can't change it. But, you know, for me, it was a case of, I used to be quite open and going to the other country. Is anything that I need to be aware of as a black female? They, and they, they, should- they know. They should tell you. And, and, and so when I asked that question, yeah. they was like, oh, um, yeah, okay. Um, I'd, I'd rather be culturally competent yeah, yeah. than go through that humiliation. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Because it's, it's a waste of your time. Yeah, well, exactly. Because it's going to have a knock-on effect on how you show up, right? So when I started asking yeah. those questions, again, they were like, oh, okay, yeah, we don't... Um, I was like, well, maybe you've never had a black female project manager before. But a point of notice, when you have someone who you know is going to stand out in the country you're sending them to, make sure they are culturally competent Mm. of how they're going to be received Mm. in that locality. Mm. Because it can be very off-putting, you know? So that was, um, yeah, so that, again, I guess it added to my armour. That's a good point, though, you know? Because I genuinely think that people that people that are in those positions, they don't even think about it. No, they, they are not, they have never experienced it. And that's yeah. what I say to them. Oh, but I, I wouldn't know. I said, okay, that's where your empathy kicks in. Yeah. Okay. Because you know certain things. Yeah, exactly. And it's a case of, you know, why should I be the one to have to deal with it when you are sending me there? Exactly. So you should be making sure that I'm one, prepared, mm. and two, I'm equipped. Mm. But you don't just send me out there to literally get exposed to all types of nonsense, which I don't need. Mm. And like you said, it does have a knock-on effect. How, how you show up, like it, it can completely, it can affect how you present yourself, how the energy you give back to them into your work. So that's a, that's a really important point to make, to be honest with you. But I like the fact that you you walked in confidently from day one and you asserted yourself because that can be very difficult to do. I didn't do that when I was when I first started out from uni. I was very and I'm a confident character yeah. by nature, but I was it took me a while to really come out my shell into the corporate space because I felt like I don't want to lose my job. Do you know what, but this is the thing and 
This is why I love my little demographic. Well, not my little demographic. This is why I love my demographic <laughs> yeah. of entry talent and rising talent as well. Yeah. Because we waste so much time in those formative years in showing who we are. Mm. So when you are not showing who you are, you are not availing yourself to opportunities mm. of development or progress because they don't see the true you. Mm. You are you are showing them probably 50, 60% of your capability and the rest are like, oh, not quite sure. Oh, will that cause friction? Will that do this? And I always say that when I go into the corporates and particularly when I say, you know, um, I have various programs. If I'm doing one for underrepresented mm. um, communities, it's a case of don't waste time shrinking and trying to fit in, okay? Because mm. you need to see yourself as a culture ad, mm. as a value ad addition Agreed. to this organisation, yeah. this department. If you try and fit in, you are diminishing the reasons why they actually employed you. Mm. And you're literally rendering yourself to be more disposable, to be quite honest. Mm. They employed you for a reason. You need to demonstrate that in full effect in what I call glorious technicolor. Right. Because you're so cautious. Oh, I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't do this. So what are you doing? BAU. No one notices you for BAU. Mm. You just pick up your salary and you're done. Yeah. It's when you start standing out, you start making value-added contributions that you then get recognised, you get remembered yeah, and you exactly. get put forward. Exactly. I think that's an important point to make, actually, because interestingly enough, last week I was talking to just a group of my people um, as I was working together and we were talking about I mean, they were talking about workplaces needing to be more inclusive and diverse, which I completely agree with because I'm a consultant, so I get it. But I also said, which shocked them, I said, but we need to do our part as well. Hallelujah. Like, we Hallelujah. I said, we need to do our part as well. We can't, it's it's a two-way thing. And, though, and, and I feel like when it comes to DEI, people really put a lot of onus on the companies, which again, they have their part to play. We have ours. Literally taken from our website. I said it is a two-way street. Yeah. You can give all the initiatives, but if you're just happy to sit back and mm. not do much, we will have to work on ourselves, mm-hmm. okay? And, you know, when someone said, oh, you know, but my manager's not put me, my manager didn't put me forward for um, the promotion. I was like, okay, so number one, that's your job because mm. your manager is managing their career. You need to manage yours. Number two, at what point did you tell your manager that you were looking to get promoted? Exactly. It's not a done deal. It's true. They, they, it's they, not they a done deal. Mind. And yeah. not everyone actually wants to get promoted exactly. for whatever reason. And, you know, there's an individual choice, but not everyone wants to get promoted. Exactly. So how do I know as your manager, one, you want to get promoted, mm. and two, that you're even ready for it? What have you exactly. demonstrated? What have you shown me that you are ready to now scale up yeah. in your career trajectory? 100%. And it's that ownership yeah. that is so crucial because until you own your career, I say you will end up as a career nomad. Yeah. And that's people just placing you where best suits them exactly. or leaving you where it best suits them. Exactly. I mean, I say it all the time. I always say to individuals and especially, like, this is why I call it Black Create Connect because it's about creating opportunities. Mm. The organisation may not have a role Mm. that that you can see but actually if you speak to them if it aligns with their wider, wider goals you'd be surprised a lot of um, hiring managers that I've spoken to over the t- over the years um, in recruitment when I've said to them would you be open to 
tweaking this role or creating this type of role, they're open to it when you speak to them. Of course. But even more to that, to your point as well, I actually wrote a job description for one of my roles and gave it to my manager Same, yeah. and said, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Okay. That's literally, I've, I've, I've done the same thing for the role that I'm in right now. Like they came to me in one role and I said, I want this, this one instead. We worked on the job description and I thought, yep, yeah, that sounds about right. And it, was, it wasn't as hard as people think it would be. It's not hard because if you think about it, what's your business case? Does it make sense exactly. to the value ecosystem of the organisation you're working for? Yeah. If it makes sense, it aligns to the value ecosystem and it feeds into it. It's a win-win. Yeah. You're getting the job that you want. Exactly. And they're getting the value add that they need. Exactly. So it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, but you need to work on yourself 100%. in order to be skilled and confident to put that proposition forward. 100%. So actually, on that note, right, so when I speak to a lot of organisations about partnering up with Black Great Connect, of course, I do the qualification, understanding what are their challenges and so forth. The most common thing that comes up in almost every conversation is there's a lack of Black leadership available, like the pool. Uh, the, they, they said the pool, there, there isn't, there's, 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 a sea, there's a sea, there's a sea of Black talent, leadership. So that's what they say. Mm. What words would you like to share to, to respond to that? <laughs> Okay, um, I would say there's not a pool of black leadership talent. There's a whole sea of black leadership talent. And one of the analogies that I always use is if you are looking, if you go fishing mm. and you want to catch salmon, but where you go fishing is a sea bass river, Mm. You are not going to catch salmon. So where are you looking? Let me flip it back and ask you, where are you looking? Because I can give you a whole list of places where you can go and look. More to the point, again, it's what networks do you have that you are sourcing people from? Because people buy people and it's network. The highest percentage of how you get a position is through word of mouth. So who are you talking to? You're talking to the same people. You're talking to an echo chamber. What you need to do is not just um, diversify your recruitment, <laughs> the <laughs> recruitment sources you're using, also your own networks. So I, for example, when I, when I was working previously, I joined the disability ERG group and people are like, oh, do you have an invisible disability? I was like, no, but I have someone in my team. I want to understand what I need to do to ensure that their environment is, a, is as effective for them as possible. So I want to be an active ally. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you have to totally change your talking, but you need to extend it, my people. You need to extend it. If you're talking to the same people, you'll get the same response, which is why we're always hearing, unfortunately, and very falsely, that there's no Black talent out there there's no black leadership talent out Mm. there Mm. it's a fallacy please stop saying it because I know thousands of highly qualified effective efficient black leaders out there so you need to expand who you're talking to talk to Alicia talk to myself there are thousands of people just go on LinkedIn you know there are so many agencies now that are looking to get that diverse representation at leadership, at C-suites. So let's stop this very tired narrative 
Because we know it's not true. We do. We know it's not true. Say it louder for the people in the back. Please. <laughs> Honestly, Please. It's so, it's so, it's, it's just timing. It's like, stop it. It's like, stop the thing, it now. The, the thing is as well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> because I say this in conversations. I say to, I say to um, companies, well, this is how you can do it. This is the method. And one of my methods is actually advertising through content creators. Mm. Black content creators mm-hmm. because they have established audiences yeah. and established networks. Yeah. That is the best way than putting it on diversejobboards.com. Yeah. If that exists, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but that's that's more effective. Mm. What are you are you having events that are events that you like or are you having events that they like? What, yeah. what what are you doing? These are such basic things and companies say, okay, well, I'll come back to you about that. And a year later, still no results. Because they don't want to change. Things. That's why if you don't want to change, stop saying it. Because and like, accept you don't want to change exactly. and at least we know where we stand exactly and another thing that I do which again which is why I love working with the entry show rising talent is I work with corporations to build that organic diverse talent pipeline mm. so to your point earlier Alicia it's a two way street I mm. work with the entry talent but I also work with first level leaders because mm. they are the ones responsible for creating that equitable and inclusive team culture mm. and they create equitable opportunities for progress mm. so once you're allowing that door of opportunity to widen mm. where everyone gets access yeah to areas of development areas of progress of condiments all that type of good stuff mm. to elevate your visibility within your organization mm. and that continues mm. so from a first level manager to a director to an md you you carry on that same ethos mm. you are opening you're now being a gatekeeper to everyone. So you're allowing everyone who has the capability mm. and the potential to go through those doors. Exactly. Okay. And then what you're doing there is step by step, you're building an organically diverse talent pipeline and you're removing the usual gatekeeper blockers. But you're also equipping your entry talent to have that bold approach. Mm. Yeah. To be owners of their career trajectory and to mm. step in and take up space, mm. not bend themselves over, but step in and take up their rightful space. Mm. And then you've got the leaders who are encouraging them and supporting and empowering them to do so. Mm. And so the cycle continues. Mm. So on that, right, with your business, because I, I feel like what you're doing is just impactful, not even just for now. I love people that do things for the future as well. So when you're, you know, when you probably put your feet up and you're retired, your work is still in fruition because of what you've done. So I love that. Talk to me about how that came to, I guess, how it came to fruition. Why did you start it? So I was, I've always been, I've always been supporting those who are coming behind me, giving them advice, be it family members, friends or family, whatever, give them give them advice. Mm. And in my last role, I was supporting graduates, helping them along their journey, giving them advice, doing a few brown bag sessions here and there. And I really enjoyed it. And I could see their progress and their mm. confidence building up. Mm. I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I really am good at this stuff, huh? Yeah. And just getting feedback. So I was always helping um, those who came behind me and graduates in the workplace as well. So when I discovered I have a skill for this Mm. due to the feedback and the results were evident um, in the way they were performing, in 2017, I wasn't enjoying my new role. 
Okay. Still an investment banking. Still an investment okay. banking. I wasn't really enjoying it. And I lost the zest to continue with it, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said to my husband, do you know what? I'm going to resign. I'm done with this at the moment. He was like, ah, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, well, that was just FYI, babe. I'm the letter. Um, so... Yeah, so I was, all, I was ready to go and have that meeting. And then I think a week before or two weeks before I planned to submit the letter, I had a meeting with my line manager virtually because she was in another location. And, you know, a small chit-chat first. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm just waiting for the HR manager. I was like, ooh, <laughs> what have I said to whom now? I was like, okay. This is before you handed your notice? Yes, yeah, this is before I handed my notice in. Um, and I was blessed with redundancy. Oh! So I know, right? So they, were, they were just like, oh, you know, we don't want to lose wow. you. There's a, um, a chief of staff or in risk that maybe we'll put you forward for that. I think mm. you'd be a great fit. I can talk to so-and-so. Mm. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm so ready to go. So I asked the HR business manager, can you send me across my numbers, please? And she sent me across my numbers like, thank you. I love you. And I literally did the Mexican wave and we walked out of the building, did my six months gardening leave. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this full time now. I'm ready to do this full time. Right. And I set up swimming consultancy. Amazing. That's perfect. That's a perfect. That's good. That's a perfect transition. <clears throat> that is good, honestly. So what was it like setting that up for you? It was um, interesting. Mm. So this is probably my third iteration okay. of swimming consultancy. So when I was, as I said before, when I started, I was very much focused on soft skills are lacking in graduates. Mm. So let me get them early in school. Mm. I used to work with schools. Mm. Um, <clears throat> they haven't got money. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay I still got bills paid. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, it's not going to work with schools. And I thought, okay, what about colleges? They should be a bit more buoyant. Yeah. No, they're not. Um, and then I said, you know what? I'm going to the corporates and doing career coaching. So when I started going to the corporates, and it was a lot about again, mass impact. Mm. And I saw the impact of my, whether it's career coaching or the workshops that I deliver. Mm-hmm. I thought actually, yeah, my place within is within corporates because they can, um, one of the feedback that I was, one of the, a piece of feedback I received recently was mm. because of my own career trajectory, mm. it, it lends power to my knowledge of where they are and the potential of where they can be. So I thought, I'm going to use that. No knowledge is wasted. No experience is wasted. Right. And that's helped me really cement my place within the corporate space. Okay. So, and your your you getting corporate clients has been seamless. No, darling. Okay. Um, that's, okay. I'll have to honestly I'll be honest. Yeah. I'll be honest. It's not seamless because it is a lot of work. And I think whilst everyone is talking about we want to support, we want to increase representation mm. from typically underrepresented um, communities, yes. putting the money there is a whole different scenario. And as we know, when companies are looking to make haircuts, so they need to cut back on their budgets, the first thing that will always go is your L&D budget. Always. So if it's between investing within your entry talent or your rising talent or your first level leaders, or rolling out, I don't know, Python training for your developers, I can guarantee you the Python training mm-hmm. is going to get the money. Um, so it hasn't been seamless. I've had to create my proposals, pitch them, put them together, chase 
And it's coming together. So I've worked with some really decent names, big names within um, uh, finance, accounting. But I want more. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I make no comments about it. I want more clients, more corporate clients. And I create programs that I know that they need. So whilst I have my, you know, my off-the-shelf programs, when I have a meeting with them, I really want to understand their pain points. Mm. And if I need to devise a program that's going to hit those pain points or tweak an existing program, Mm. I will do that. Because it's not solely about picking up that lovely check from them. It's about, like you said, making impact. And in order to do that, I need to hit your pain points. And once I hit your pain point, you will see the value add in what I do and we will build up a relationship. I'm very much on the base of people by people. Mm. Once you've got me in, you'll want to get me back in again. That's for sure. So I get repeat business. Mm. I just need more companies, more corporates to get that repeat business from. What can your network, what can I do? What can we do to, to help with that? Like what? Well, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, be candid. No, I'm being very candid. So I've literally just started a new program called the Bold Moves Club. And that is for rise, ambitious rising talent uh, who really want to take their career to the next level. Mm. And so the reason I, I did this was because whilst I do work with corporates, I think sometimes when you are, and not always, so sometimes when you're delivering training via a client, mm. sometimes the, you know, the end user feels a bit reticent to share all their challenges because it could be due with their line manager. They're not yeah. quite sure how much is going to get taken back to them. Yeah. That never happens, by the way. Um, but what I did is create a private um, career cohort, career coaching club. Okay. So it's a monthly club, a monthly subscription, and we meet monthly to really address um, key challenges that are being faced. You also get a one-to-one, a 20-minute one-to-one um, mm. each month, book a slot, and we address your particular career challenge, access to all my career development resources and tools. Mm. And it's really just to make sure, again, from an impact perspective, I can have that mass impact. Mm. Because one of the things I really love about cohort learning is you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to face a challenge yourself. Mm. If someone has faced this challenge, and we've worked for the solution, should you come across something similar, mm. you have got the tools to overcome it mm-hmm. in your, you know, your arsenal. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to face every single, you can learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And again, you can support each other's accountability. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that's one thing that I have that mm-hmm. is open to you lovely people mm-hmm. um, that you can sign up for. How much is it per month? It's £97 per month. Mm-hmm. Um, and again... That's another, very reasonable for what you're offering. It's very reasonable, trust me. And another thing that I've incorporated into it, because your point, Alicia... The impact I want is obviously it's about career, but it's wider than that. Mm. And I started to think about all the things I wish I was aware of Mm. in the early stroke rising stage of my career. So I started thinking about, I bought my first property when I was 27. Now, is everyone aware that they have the capability to buy a property, do they know where to look? Mm. Do they don't necessarily need to buy in London if you're London-based? Mm. You need to buy where you're living. Mm. So every quarter, I have what I would call my knowledge insiders mm. come on and share their SME knowledge. So we have a mortgage advisor, we have a wealth advisor, 
We have a property investment specialist. Mm. Uh, we have a burnout coach. So every quarter they will come in and share because I want the impact to be both in your career, but in mm. your holistic development. Mm. So if you have at this moment in time, you have disposable income and you're like, well, I haven't got enough to buy a property. You probably have. Mm. <laughs> or if you're in a company whereby they make contributions to your pension and they match it, and you're like, oh, I'll do it later. I don't need to worry about pension. You probably do. Mm. Um, so it's all this advice that I feel a lot of the younger generation mm. may not have a full grasp of. I want to expose it to them and give them all the information they need to make informed, bold decisions. I love that. Is that part of the program as well? Yeah. That's a lot that you're So it's a pack. I, I make no apologies. It is a pack program. The £97 is for this year. It will definitely go up next year. Mm. But I just wanted something that, because every time I do something within a corporate, they're like, oh, how can we, how can we work with you? And I'm like, oh, you know, one-to-one career coaching is great, but from an energy perspective. It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. I, I agree. I've it tried to do it before. It doesn't make any sense. It's, I love, you know, I do, I, on the off chance, I will do a one-to-one career coaching um, deal. But generally, this cohort, the Bold Moves Club, it is really fully loaded. And I'm, I'm always excited about it because I think, damn, girl, you have packed this baby up. It is literally, you get every single penny that you invested, your return is about 200%. And I've seen the transition from mm. people that I have coached before to mm. how they are now. Mm. And it definitely isn't the same. You don't, you don't join and you leave the same. You really and mm. truly don't. So that is one thing that can be done. Um, mm. And as an added bonus, I am introducing it to my corporates mm. because sometimes I'll go in and do a workshop and I'm thinking, do you think this workshop is effective yeah like you know where's the where's the continuous development that's key where's the continuous development where's the accountability where's the progress check-ins yeah the workshops are great i know my workshops are great Mm. you can check my linkedin recommendation but the continuous development is what really moves people forward exactly and so if a corporation is interested Mm. i'm quite happy for them to sponsor places for their employees because again it's your company investing in you mm. and it's not just a half a day of a workshop and mm. they expect the miracles to happen. So they have the opportunity to, you know, you can go to your manager, you know, I want career coaching and they'll think, oh no, we haven't got the budget. And mm. you say to me, it's £97 a month. They will say, bring me the form. So that's a tip for you. If you, you know, if you want to invest in yourself, which I always recommend, yeah, but if you want to see a return in your investment, you have to invest in yourself first. If you want people to invest in you, you have to invest in yourself first. Mm. So whether it's you want to invest in yourself personally or whether you want to approach mm. your company and say, hey, I found a career coach and this is what it costs, then I will share my details. Yeah, I'm going to share all of your links and all your details because I'm a, mass, a massive advocate for just sharing um, business. Just for FYI, so you don't think... I did anything to copy you. In September, we have a black leadership course coming out as well. See what she did there. Cohort. Yeah. No, no, no. I I didn't take it. But to be honest with you, I'm advocate. I'm happy to share everything that you said, shared in the, um, in the, 
in, in our group and everything because I think it's okay to have different information sources definitely it's, it's, it's completely fine for that so I'm just I'm here for it what I would also um, advise I'm happy to make intros um, for anywhere that I can think of off the top of my head contact black ERGs yes contact black ERGs yes, because yes. Um, one of the things that I've noticed with contact black ERGs if they then say look there's this leadership course it costs £97 a month yeah. They can go to their businesses and put the case forward. And put the case forward. So go to them. So and I'm happy to. I even after even today, I can I can share it with my group. Um, if it's available for people to yeah, get yeah. straight away, I can share it. If you want us to do a social post about it, we can do a social post about she it. If you want us to do it in a newsletter, we can do it in a newsletter. I don't. As long as the community is able to benefit, if it, they will. even if it means as well, we look at it. There's companies that um we have partnerships with that pay for yeah. partnerships. Even if there's a way to use budget towards that, there's there's ways. Like I'm, I really love what you're doing, Thank you, and I appreciate yeah, and, and I think it comes from a good place. You know, people come from different places, different places, but you have a very, very beautiful energy. You give me, don't take this in the wrong way, okay? But you remind me of like my auntie. Like no, not not in a rude way, okay? Please, Babe, you said your auntie. That's family. Yeah, yeah, I'm honest. Okay, okay. I'm yeah, honest. yeah. Just do you just give me like a, a auntie vibe? Where I am an auntie. <laughs> so sure, Those my younger ones who know me, they will say that yeah, aunt, auntie auntie Lola is on the case. Auntie Lola yeah. is on the case because I I want, and this is not so. This is not really about me. This is literally legacy. Yeah. So. You know, when I was working in the corporates, I was doing mad hours and didn't. I was like, you know, hold on, mm. hold on. My name is not above any building. You need to rein that nonsense in. 100, so I did. Hundred. But now this is me. My first legacy is our children, mm. and then I want the impact that I can make with mm. this generation coming up mm. to be part of my overall legacy. Mm. And I really want, like I said, I want everyone to take up their rightful space. Mm. I've seen too many people still cowering over like the reason why you can't stand up straight now is because you've been bent for so long and this is what i said when i when i want when i work with this particular demographic it's because i want them to stand up i want them to start upright yeah and just get taller and taller and taller yes please i don't want any cowering over yeah and that's why i like to get them at this stage Mm. give them the tools they need to take up their space, mm. but also ensure that they are continuously mm. developing themselves as well. Mm. So that's what I love what I do. Thank you. Thank you, Lola. Do, and you know what? I need to start doing, correcting people to say my name. Everyone calls me Alicia. It's Alicia. Alicia. <laughs> Alicia. But the thing is, I've got, I have, a, again, I've got this conscious thing of not interrupting people when they're in the flow. So I thought, I, I'll tell you later. Alicia. <laughs> Alicia. Alicia. We've got really Alicia. 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 So again, this could this is probably some part of my development. I'm so used to it. People have called me all sorts. Alex, Alice, Alicia, Alicia. Alicia. <laughs> Alicia correct them, my darling. Alicia, correct them. Own your, own your name. No one should name you. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's something I need to get better at. When I saw Dr. Sholley's um, video, oh, video day, yes. yeah, I was like, I don't know if I would have done that. And I don't know if, um, I don't know why, because I actually agree with that approach with, yeah, yeah say my name, like pronounce it properly. But um, I, it's, it's a therapist thing. I need to work on my face. You know what? I, I do it because 
it's not my name. My whole name is only for me, Lola. And it's got meaning to it. And yeah. I do it because I tell my children to do it. So yeah. if I don't do it, I yeah. can't expect them to do it. Yeah. And it's a case of why is it so inconvenient for you to say, to my, say name. my name? Especially if I've corrected you. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Well, You're yeah. disrespecting me. You know, so yeah. for me, I will forever own it and I make no apologies. Yeah. I'm unapologetic about it. Yeah. And when I saw what Dr. Scholler did, I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. She went playing games. And she did it. To me, I think she did it in a very composed manner. Oh, she did it in a very composed yeah. manner because you're coming onto a show and you're just like, oh, oh, forget. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You want to dismiss my name on national TV. She, she was embarrassed though. She, not, well, not, yeah. not Dr. Shola. Yeah, you have really, to be yeah, embarrassed because yeah, there's embarrassed. no reason because why can't you do your research? Yeah. If I'm, if I'm an MC or if I'm a keynote speaker and I'm talking to another keynote speaker, it's going to be a panel discussion. Mm. I make sure. Do you research? I do the research. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. will message you myself, do yeah. a voice note. Please, can you pronounce your name for yeah, me? Yeah, exactly. Because it shows respect. It's just yeah. common courtesy. Yeah. So I liked what she did. I applauded it, honestly. Yeah. I applauded it. Bold. Very bold. You know, I like bold baby. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> like your baby. This is bold movement. Like, yeah, exactly. I was like, bold okay. baby, honestly. Seriously. I'm going to apologise to my ancestors for trying to put you into the whole hole. But no, no. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. So no, no, no. It's, it's all good. Thank you for acknowledging the this my second name, I guess now. But um, <laughs> but and thank you for sharing your insights, your journey, like the why behind what you do is so important. Mm-hmm. And please continue. Like don't let. And I know you won't let anyone. You're not, you're not the last person that I need no, to no, encourage. No, 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 no. But thank you. You're doing an incredible job. Thank you so much. Let's go to no worries. This will go into the feel good folder. If there's any opportunities, sometimes there's opportunities. Um, that I'm not able to do when it comes to like speaking and everything. So I can, you're another one in my referral, in my referral list of DEI consultants. Appreciate So yeah, thank you so, so much for- Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.